Chapter 7 I hung a brutally hard right and scraped my belly across a branch doing it. I fought my way through the grasping twigs and leaves and motored on. Thank goodness I ate a good breakfast, I muttered. Tobias, you can't go that way. The trucks will cut you off. They have guys on the back of each one with shotguns. No choice, I said. In about two minutes, I'm going to collapse. And right about then, that helicopter will get here. Okay, then we need to get rid of the guys with the guns. Rachel said calmly, like flying against a guy with a shotgun was no big deal. Rachel, have I ever mentioned that you are extremely cool? I said. Then, to the hork Just keep running the same direction. Don't stop. I peeled away and fought my way up and up and up above the treetops. There was Rachel, gliding majestically on her huge eagle's wings. I needed altitude so I could turn it into speed. Ahead, through the gaps in the tree cover, I could see the two pickup trucks. They were still bouncing along, kicking up dust as they hurried to cut off the hork In the back of each truck, there was a man with a shotgun. These guys were holding on for dear life, so at least we had a chance of not getting killed. You take the one on the left. Ready? I asked Rachel. Let's do it, she said. We aimed to intercept the trucks. Like a pair of cruise missiles, we targeted the spot where the trucks would be in five seconds. Four seconds. Three seconds. I could see my guy clearly. Middle-aged human. He looked like a guy you'd see working in a hardware store or something. But he wasn't really human. The York in his head was aiming the gun. Two seconds. The controller saw me. He frowned. Then he realized. One second. The shotgun came up. The twin barrels looked huge. I raked my talons forward. The shot passed millimeters over my head. I actually felt the wind. I struck. The controller fell off the back of the truck, clutching his face and howling. A split second later, Rachel hit her target. At the same instant, the two hork came barreling out of the woods, right into the racing trucks. One jumped. He sailed over the truck and landed hard on the far side. The second hork was too slow. The truck slammed the hork The hork went flying and sprawled into a brush-covered ditch. Rachel's guy was firing blindly. The first hork was up, but not running. I was close enough to hear him bellow in a voice full of despair. Galashi! Galashi! Move, you idiot! I screamed at the hork The two trucks had braked in a cloud of dust and dirt, fishtailing wildly on the narrow dirt road. Guys were piling out of the cabs, armed to the teeth. From the edge of the woods, just down the road, three dirt bikes roared into sight. The hork froze. He looked up at me as I shot past him, and he said, No, my Kalashi, my wife. Wife? I said. Wife? Rachel echoed. That may have been the last word I ever expected to hear a hork say. You'll be dead in two seconds. I snapped at the hork after I'd recovered from the shock. 
Run! Run, or you're no good to anyone! He ran. I guided him to the stream that lay half-concealed behind a stand of trees. He hit the water with surprisingly little splash and disappeared beneath the surface. He said wife, right? I asked Rachel. Wife, she agreed. Chapter 8 Wife? Excuse me, you said wife? Marco asked incredulously. You mean there's such a thing as a female hork I guess so, I said. We didn't really have time to ask. It was late afternoon. We were all in Cassie's barn. Actually, I was in the rafters of Cassie's barn, looking down at the rest of the group. Jake, Cassie, Marco, Axe, and Rachel, back in human form again. Axe was in his own natural Andalite body. It's a danger to have him there because we can never allow anyone to see the Axe Man. I mean, one look at Axe and Isthil, at the two movable stock eyes on the top of his head, and the deadly scorpion tail and the centaur body, and you know he's not exactly a local boy. But it was worth the risk, since he knew more about the hork than any of us did. Besides, I was providing security. From my place up in the rafters, I could see out through the hayloft to Cassie's house. And since I have excellent hearing as well as sight, I'd know if anyone approached the barn. Cassie's barn is actually the wildlife rehabilitation clinic. It is full of every kind of local wild animal. The wire cages are piled high all around the barn. Both Cassie's parents are veterinarians. Her mom works at the gardens, which is this big amusement park and zoo complex. Her father runs the clinic with a lot of help from Cassie. They take in injured or sick wild animals. And right now, beneath me in the cages, there is a sampling of all the animals that lived in the area. Possums, voles, rabbits, skunks, foxes, raccoons, squirrels, and so on. Many of them would have made a nice snack for me, but Cassie and I have an agreement about that. I don't eat her patients. In addition to the land animals, there were bats and birds. Cassie actually rescues pigeons and crows and even jays. I have nothing against pigeons, but I don't like crows and ravens and jays. They're like the gangsters of the bird world. Plus, they're smart. They can work together to mob peaceful raptors like me. Sometimes, a bunch of them will actually try to steal a kill from me. And believe me, you get six or eight big fat jays or crows attacking you all at once, and it can be very annoying. But that's another story. How exactly do you tell a man hork from a woman hork Marco asked. Do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big nasty toes of theirs? Rachel rolled her eyes. We didn't have a chance to go into it, alright? We barely got the one hork to the cave. I mean, do female hork cry at chick movies? Marco went on, talking mostly to himself. Do they get all goo-goo when they see a baby? What about the female? Jake asked Rachel and me. Rachel shrugged and looked away. We don't know, I said. We saw her get knocked into the ditch. That was it. Man, this whole thing stinks. It's a trap. It's a setup, Marco said. But I think the real question is, do female hork get all weird around bugs and snakes? I don't think so. About the trap, I mean. 
weird around bugs and snakes? Cassie asked with a raised eyebrow. Is that how girls are, Marco? With that, she reached into a low drawer beneath the bottom row of cages. A second later, a snake was lightly tossed through the air in Marco's direction. Ah! 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 Get it off me! Cassie retrieved the harmless garden snake and put it back in its drawer while everyone laughed. Except Axe, who doesn't always get human humor. Even Marco had to laugh. Oh, that was so not fair. Funny, yes. Fair, no. Can we please act more mature here? Sure, Marco, Rachel said. Why don't you leave and we'll automatically be a more mature group? Could we stick to business? Jake asked. But he was still smiling from the snake thing, so no one took him too seriously. Why would a yerk, even a yerk inside a hork want to run away? Marco asked. Sooner or later, he has to get back to the yerk pool. It doesn't make any sense. Rachel sighed. Marco, how dumb are you? Don't you get it? These aren't controllers. There is no yerk. Somehow, these two hork are free. Cassia looked thoughtful. Isn't it kind of a coincidence that you just happened to be in the area where the hork were escaping? Yes, I said. Definitely. Especially since I wasn't even heading there. I was actually trying to go somewhere else. I saw the two stock eyes on Axe's head swing up to focus on me with new interest. His main eye stayed on Jake. Cassie gave me a tilted-headed, puzzled look. You mean... But Rachel interrupted. Look, we need to decide what to do about this. We've got this hork male in a cave, but the Yurks will keep looking for him. And I have to tell you, this hork is not exactly Stephen Hawking. Who? Cassie asked. He is a human physicist, Axe responded. I've read some of his writings. He is very brilliant, but also wrong about several things. For example, when he refers to the structure of atoms in... Jake threw up his hands in exasperation. Is there any chance we could stick to business? I remember when Jake used to be fun, Marco said in a loud whisper. Now he's such a grown-up. I was never fun, Jake said with a tolerant smile. No, you were never smart, but you were always fun, Marco teased. The question is, what do we do about this hork Rachel asked. He's sitting out there in a cave in the woods, moaning about his kalashi. What do we do about him? We all looked at Axe like he'd have the answer. I have never known a free hork Axe said. They've been slaves of the Yurks for a long time. But it is possible. Maybe, somehow, while this hork Yurk was in the Yurk pool, the hork managed to escape. It is possible. His wife as well. In which case, these may be the only free hork in the entire galaxy. The only two free members of their species. Imagine, Cassie whispered. Imagine being the only two free humans in all the world. Somehow, no one felt like messing around anymore. Even Marco looked thoughtful. If the Yurks won, humans would be no different than the hork Absolute slaves to the Yurk Empire. So what do we do with the only free hork in the galaxy? Marco asked. 
What does the Hortbegir want to do? Axe asked me and Rachel. Rachel and I stared blankly at each other. You know, I admitted, we never asked. Then I guess that's step one, Jake said. Let's find out what the Hortbegir wants. Everyone agreed, but I saw that Cassie was still troubled. Under her breath, she muttered, And then let's find out why Tobias was somewhere he didn't mean to be. I don't think anyone else heard her, but I did. Why had I been there? Chapter 9 It took a while to figure out how we were going to deal with the hork In the end, we decided I'd go ahead with Axe. The others would morph and stay close enough to hear what was happening. The problem was, we were afraid to be honest with the hork It could all still be some kind of trap. We couldn't let anyone know who we really were, or what we really were. See, the Yurks know that there is someone out here messing with them. They know they're being attacked by someone using animal morphs. Since only the Andalites have the power to morph, the Yurks assume we must all be Andalites. They figure we must be a group of Andalite gorillas. We want them to think that. We sure don't want them realizing that the Animorphs are mostly a bunch of human kids. If they ever found out where Jake and Cassie and Rachel and Marco live, well, that would be the end of us. The cave where Rachel and I left the hork was small for a creature of his size. It was hidden by brush and fallen branches. It went in about 20 feet, but was only about 5 feet tall. I landed on a fallen branch outside the cave entrance. I waited till everyone was in position. Then I said, Hey in there, hork It's me, the talking bird. I'm coming in. With a friend. It's hard for a bird to push through the bushes and thorns, so Axe stepped forward, almost dainty on his four hooves. He pushed the tangle aside with his weak arms. He stuck his head inside the dark cave. The reaction was immediate. Ruthen! Andalite! A bladed arm slashed, missing Axe's head by inches. Axe jerked back and cocked his tail to strike. No! I yelled. Listen in there, you weed-whacker-looking jerk! Calm down! And Axeman, take it easy! The bladed arm withdrew slowly, and Axe relaxed his tail. I took a few seconds to slow my heart down. When a bird is startled, it wants to fly. Natural instinct. I had to fight to control it and stay put. What's going on? Cassie asked. I looked up at the sky. Rachel and Cassie were up there in bird morph. Rachel as her bald eagle self, and Cassie as an owl. The sun was just setting, and when darkness fell, an owl would be a lot more useful than an eagle. The two of them were flying cover, making sure we weren't disturbed. Oh, nothing much, I said. We're all just saying hello. By the way, is everything clear up there? Cassie? Rachel? Yep, everything is clear. Rachel called down. I took a couple of deep breaths and tried to steady my nerves. Neither Axe nor I wanted to go into that cave anymore. You just can't be careless when you're dealing with hork One fast move and they can leave you wondering why your head is rolling across the grass. Hork come on out, I said firmly. 
Slowly, the big creature crawled out. He stood erect, blinking in the dim evening light. Not hork he said. Jarahami! My name, Jarahami! He's kidding, right? Jake said in my head. His name is Jeremy? I glanced up to see a big, round, white and orange face. A face with deep, intelligent eyes and yellowish teeth about four inches long. It was Jake in his tiger morph. He was above the cave opening on an outcropping of rock. If the hork had made a wrong move, Jake would have been all over him. You better talk to our boy Jarahami here, I said to Axe. I figured Axe would know more about talking to the other aliens than me. Axe held his hands open in a gesture of peace. He lowered his tail further. I could see he really didn't want to do that. The air between the Andalite and the hork seemed to crackle with tension. My name is Axe Axe said. You are Ruthin, Andalite. Yes. You kill me? No, I won't kill you, Axe said. Ruthin kill hork the hork named Jera Hami said. hork kill Ruthin. This is going really well, Marco said dryly. Then he sang new words for that Barney song. I kill you, you kill me, we're an alien family. I saw Marco settling in behind a stand of trees off to the left. He looked like a very large, very hairy man. A gorilla, actually. We had decided to have plenty of muscle ready, just in case the hork turned out to be trouble. Andalites tried to save the hork from the Yurks, Axe said. Sounding a little defensive? The hork stared at Axe's face. You, Darkop, you fail. Yes, we failed. But I'm here now, and I don't kill hork unless they are tools of the Yurks. The hork made a sort of forward jerk with its head, and a raspy little sound in its throat. It sounded like a derisive laugh, but who knows... I had no idea what a hork laugh should sound like, or if they even laughed at all. <laughs> the hork slapped his chest with his left hand. It startled me enough that I was halfway airborne before I got a grip. The hork threw out his arm and said, Jarahami escaped the Yurks. Jarahami free! Jarahami has his own head! He pressed both hands gently against his snake-like head. How do we know you are free? How do we know you have your own head? Axe asked him coldly. The hork looked puzzled. Then, to my complete and total shock, he made a quick movement of his arm. It was faster than any human eye could have seen. But I saw it. I saw the wrist blade slice right into his own head. He sliced right into his own head! No! I yelled in horror. Yeah. Jake yelped. There was a gash six inches deep in the hork head. He reached up with his clawed hands and pulled the gash open. He pulled his own head open. And it's not like it didn't hurt him. I could see the pain on his face. Blood, or something, oozed in shades of deep red and deeper blue-green. He held the gash open, and we stared, axing me, right into the hork brain. 
I guess Jake and Marco could see it pretty clearly, too. Oh, man. Marco moaned. Can I just say, yuck? Jara Hami pressed the two sides of the gash together. He held the cut for a few seconds, and with amazing speed, the bleeding coagulated. A long scab began to form over the gash. That's when I started breathing again. I had stopped. Then I started my heart up. I swear, it had stopped too. Did you see a yurk in his head? I asked Axe shakily. No, Axe said, just as shaken as I was. No yurk. Did that scare the pee out of you, Axe man? Or doesn't that kind of thing bother you, Andalites? I am as peeless as you, Tobias, my friend. That wasn't necessary, I told Jarahami. His face, insofar as he had a face, was still scrunched up in pain. He was breathing hard and sweating the same blue-green fluid I had seen inside his head. Necessary, he grunted through the pain. Jarahami is strong, but Jarahami needs help. Help to do what? Axe asked him gently. The Horkbashir stared at Axe, then shifted his gaze to me. Flying animal saw my Kalashi. Jarahami must find her. Jarahami! He struggled to come up with a word. Then he made a gesture with his hands, as if someone were tearing something out of him. As if someone were removing his heart. There was no question what it meant. Even across the huge divide between our species, I could recognize that emotion. You love her, I said. Jarahami loves, the Orkbishir said. Kalashi, Jarahami free, want free. Axe swiveled his stock eyes back toward me. I think I believe him. Yeah, me too, Axe. Hey, you guys down there? Cassie called down from above. We have company coming. Hello, Phanomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening. I don't really got any sort of uh, special announcements this week. I'm also feeling kind of tired, so let's just bing, bang, boom, get through it. Uh, this is Audiomorphs. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, why don't you go ahead and leave me a rating or review? That'd be really neat. Otherwise, uh, you can certainly visit theapodcalypse.com. That's the apocalypse. It's like apocalypse, but there's a D right in the middle there. Uh, to go see all the goofy stuff I do in my free time. And if you would like to reach me about this podcast, or, you know, not about this podcast, if you just want to talk to me, uh, you can do that on theapocalypse.com or by going to audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or by email audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Okay, that is really all I got, so I'll see y'all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>